This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, and if after David died, he's thinking maybe in his mind, he's thinking maybe in his mind that when after I die and somebody asks us, Solomon, tell me about your dad, and he's thinking that if Solomon had said, would say, you know, dad was a great warrior. He started off by killing Goliath. He defeated the enemy of Israel, the Philistines. He just defeated all the enemies of Israel. He was a great warrior. If he had said that, it would have broke David's heart. If Solomon would say, Dad was a great unifier. Israel was, the, some of the tribes were separated from the others, and, and David, my father, brought them all together. He unified Israel. All of Israel loved him, and they were behind him. If he had said that, that would have broken his heart. If he would have said, Dad was a great builder. Look at these walls of Jerusalem. My dad built those walls. He built Jerusalem, and he built other cities as well, all throughout Israel. He was a great builder. If he would have said that, that would have broken David's heart. Because what David is doing here in verse 9, he's planning the reputation so that David wanted Solomon to say, Dad knew God. And Dad served God with all of his heart, with all of his mind, and all of his will. That's what David is doing here. And so he says, he starts off and he says to Solomon, he says, Solomon, I want you to know the God of your father. I want you to know the God of your father. Now, you can imagine Solomon. Talk about being raised in a Christian home. Solomon would say, what? Tell the God of my father. <laughs> Remember me? Since I was born, I've been raised by you. I've been raised all around God. It's God, God, God every day. You know, you wrote the Psalms. Did you forget? <laughs> you know, you wrote part of the Bible. I'm your son. I've been here. What do you mean, know God? But David knew exactly what he meant because he says, and thou, Solomon, know the God of your father. In other words, David is saying, Solomon, it's not enough that I know God. You have to know God. 
It's not enough that you've been in my family and by osmosis have learned about God. No, you need to know God for yourself. And that's the kind of advice that should be given to every child in a Christian home. It's time for you, individually, personally, and thou, to know God for yourself. And that's what he's saying. And so Solomon could be sitting there saying, what do you mean, know God? What am I supposed to know about God? Well, it's on two levels. There is the knowledge of God, and then there is the personal experiential knowledge with God. What Sam sometimes like to talk about in Spanish, conocer and saber. So it's the difference between, and the same in French, it's the difference between, I know about President Trump, but I've never met him. I don't know him on the level of we're friends. And so this is what he's referring to. For example, he wanted Solomon to know about the power of God. The power of God. Psalm, like Psalm 147.5, which David wrote, Great is the Lord and, great, and of great power. Great is the Lord, great is our Lord, and of great power. That's knowing about the power of God. He wanted Solomon, of course, Solomon knew that Israel was sort of born, so to speak, with the power of God that broke the back of Egypt. The power of God destroyed the greatest country on earth at that time, Egypt, in order for Israel to come out. Power in those 10 plagues. Power that separated the Red Sea. Power that provided water out of the rock and so forth and so on, manna from heaven and so forth. Power, that's power of God. He knew about that power of God, but that's one level. But the next level is to apply the power of God as Jonathan did. Jonathan did, the friend of David. When Jonathan and his armor bearer looked at a camp of 20 enemy Philistines and, John, and, and his armor bearer was shaking in his shoes, but Jonathan said, no, we are going to trust the power of God today. In 1 Samuel 14, 6, 1 Samuel 14, 6, Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And God did show his power, as it says in 1 Samuel 14, 13. 1 Samuel 14, 13. Jonathan climbed up upon his hands, upon his feet, his armor bearer after him. They fell before Jonathan. The Philistines fell before Jonathan. His armor bearer slew after him. That That was the first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made of about 20 men within, as it were, a half acre of land. Jonathan knew the power of God. He knew the history of Israel. He knew what happened in Egypt. He knew the power of God that was there. With a mighty arm, a stretched out arm and a mighty hand, God brought Israel out by power. But this was a time when he experienced, Jonathan experienced personally, the power of God. And so this is what David wants for Solomon. David wants Solomon to personally have those experiences in life where he relies on, he trusts, and he sees the power of God. The holiness of God. Solomon knew about the holiness of God. Solomon knew. Leviticus 11.44. Leviticus 11.44. God says, I am holy. He knew that. That was the knowledge of God that he's holy. But when does this holiness of God become the next level? 
When does it become serious for, for Solomon? What does it become serious for us? When it's applied in the application, for example, 2 Peter 3.14, 2 Peter 3.14, where Peter says, be diligent that ye be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. When we become pure, without spot, without blameless, we seek after holiness, we hunger and thirst after righteousness personally, then we get to know by the next level the holiness of God. Know thou the God of thy father. He says, provider. Solomon knew that God had provided for Israel. He knew that. It says in 1 Chronicles 29, the next verse, 1 Chronicles 29, when, when, um, when the people had given of what God had given to them for the building of the temple, David said, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee and of thine own have we given thee. Solomon knew that. He knew that the people had done that. But when, it, when the knowledge of God as a provider becomes personal is when we individually give to the point where it hurts. Give to the point where it creates a hole. Give to the Lord where it's not just chump change, not just a tip, but actually give substantially to the Lord where we rely on him to provide back to fill the hole back up. And you say, well, how can a person know this if he's doing that? Simple, look at his checkbook. You can tell. So it doesn't, it's not on how much it's given, it's on how much it hurts to give. As the Lord Jesus said in Mark 12, 41, Mark 12, 41, Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, very small amount, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had even all her living. Knowing the provision of God personally is to give to a point where it hurts and to watch God fill it back up again. And David was saying to Solomon, know God, know God, know him in this area. Know him in this area. Now, know him, Solomon, in life. Solomon knew where life came from, from man. He knew the source of life. He knew that God had created man out of the dust of the earth and did something very unusual in Genesis 2-7. Genesis 2-7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Life came to man from God. That's why the Lord Jesus said in John 14-6, I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the life. He was Jehovah Jesus who breathed into the nostrils of man who was just formed the breath of life and that's how man became a living soul. So Solomon, know him personally. How does a person know personally that God is life? Simply by 
receiving the new life that he spoke of in John 3, 3, when Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, new life. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Solomon, you can imagine Solomon hearing this, know thou the God of thy father. And maybe the question that comes to Solomon's mind is, why? Why? I mean, I've, been, I've grown up all around, as I mentioned, God all the time. Why? And David, he goes on, explains about serving God with a perfect heart. But, but he, 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 he's really saying to Solomon, you can't know God naturally, Solomon. You can't know him naturally. And nobody can know God naturally. Because it says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 14, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So Solomon's question, why do you say to me, know thou the God of thy father? And the answer is because you can't naturally know God. You cannot naturally know God. It has to come from a relationship, from a revelation that results in a relationship. What kind of relationship? God, Solomon, should be your life guide, guiding you through the difficult decisions, the difficulties that you have in life. God should be your life redeemer, your life redeemer to save you from your sins. God should be your life deliverer to rescue you from the, from the dangers of life. God should be for you your life companion, your life companion to drive away your loneliness. And you can be in a group, Solomon, where you're surrounded by people and be as lonely as can be because God is not your companion. God needs to be your life companion. God needs to be your life friend to cure your helplessness, your helplessness. That's what it means to know God to know God, because without God, without God in the life, man is described by Ephesians 2.12, Ephesians 2.12, which says that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. This is what knowing God is all about. So we could say, okay, we've seen what about what it is to know God. We've seen why about why it's important to know God. But now, how about the how? How am I to know God? How am I to know God? And the answer is, how is any person to know God? Through the Bible. Through the Bible. Relationship with God through the Bible, the Bible as a conversation between God and man. The Bible speaks, God speaks. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. When God speaks, the Bible speaks. That's the start of a conversation. But not just the Bible alone, because the Bible has to be coupled with prayer. Praying always, always prayer. Always, always praying, always asking. For petitions for prayer, always looking for answers to prayer, always thanking 
For when God does answer prayer, always praising, always praising. If the Bible is only used for information, zero benefit, zero benefit. Reminds me of a carpenter that one time um, was at my house, and he had never seen a Bible before. He'd never seen a Bible before. So when he says, oh, is this a Bible? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I'm, I'm really interested in that. And he picked it up, and he was showing led interest. And then he cautioned himself, says, no, well, I'm not that interested in it, he said. <laughs> he said, I don't mean that. I don't want any change in my life. Interest in the Bible as just a book will not help a person. The Bible has to be coupled with the response, with the response. Because the Bible says, the Bible says about the Bible in 1 Timothy 3.16, 1 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for instruction in what is right. So the Bible does those four things for us. All scripture, that's the Bible, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, what is right. For reproof, what is not right in our lives. For correction, how to get right in our lives. For instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. That's what the Bible is. And the Bible has no value. No value unless a person comes to it and saying, I want to know what's right. I want to know what's not right in my life. I want to know how to get right in my life. I want to know how to stay right in my life. That's what scripture is. And then David goes on and tells Solomon, Solomon, you need to serve God with a perfect heart. The word perfect there means whole. There has to be, it's really saying, Solomon, when you serve God, no half-hearted service here. Just wholehearted service, as David wrote in Psalm 9, verse 1. Psalm 9, verse 1. I will, when you praise, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. When you seek God, and David also wrote in Psalm 119, 2, Psalm 119, 2, seek him with the whole heart. When you obey, when you obey, David also wrote in Psalm 119, 34, Psalm 119, 34, I will keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. When you pray, when you pray, David wrote in Psalm 119, 58, Psalm 119, 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Psalm 119, 145, 119, 145, I cried with my whole heart, hear me. So he's saying to Solomon, whole heart here, Solomon, not half heart, whole heart. You've got to be all in here. Keep thy heart, as Solomon did write later on in Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart, guard thy heart. Shamar, grab, guard thy heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Issues of life. But it's very interesting that David has started off in advising Solomon, and he said, first of all, Solomon, know God. Know God, then serve God. Not serve God and know God, but know God first and then serve him. Because the tragedy of the so-called many that the Lord spoke about, the tragedy was just in this area. The tragedy was a group of people who thought they were going to heaven, absolutely 100% sincerely convinced, sincerely convinced, they are going to heaven, no question about it. 
only to be cast out into hell. In Matthew 7.22, 7.22, where the Lord said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and then I name hath done many wonderful works. Sounds pretty good. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There was a lot of service in there. A lot of service, and it looked pretty good. What's wrong with preaching in Jesus' name? What's wrong with, with, uh, with casting out devils in Jesus' name? What's wrong with doing many wonderful works in Jesus' name? What's wrong with that? So what was it that made the Lord call all of their service iniquity? He said in, in the Matthew 7, 23, 7, 23, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. They served without personally knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And that made their service iniquity. Obedience is only possible by first knowing God personally. That's why David started off by saying, Solomon, number one, first, first priority, know, know the God of your father. When Pharaoh, of all people, was right, or he was right, I don't know, he was, not that he was right, he, he said it, it's very interesting what he said. Pharaoh was approached by Moses, and he says, God says, let, let my people go, let the Jewish people go, let those slaves go. And, and Moses says, I'm not going to obey God. And what he said in Exodus 5.2 is so good. Exodus 5.2, Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. What Pharaoh was saying there is that I'm not going to obey God because I don't know him. And so this is what Solomon is being told by David. Know God, then you'll be able to obey him. Then you will obey him. And, and, and then he says, with a willing mind, Solomon, a willing mind. In other words, uh, as it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, every man according as he purposes in his heart, let him give. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. Not grudgingly, like, why do I have to do this? And not of necessity. If I have to, I will. But if I could, I wouldn't. So, and then he tells Solomon, he says, Solomon, I'm talking to you about what's happening in your heart, about you having a whole heart, about you being willing. And I want you to understand, Solomon, that you are being watched. There is no such thing as a secret. And David could tell that from his own painful experience. And he said, he said uh, and, and he says, Solomon, uh, and maybe he would say to Solomon, Solomon, you can imagine, Solomon, uh, you remember Adam and the first sin? And what happened there in Genesis 3.10? Genesis 3.10, and he said, uh, Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. In Hebrews 4.13, it speaks about nakedness. Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes with him we have to do. Solomon, you are watched. You are being watched. Your heart is being watched. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.